Good day, listeners and viewers. Welcome to this edition of the Pure Sex Radio program. We're glad that you've decided to join us. My name is Jonathan, and we actually have back on the line with us a, a friend of ours who's uh, been on the program several times, uh, Beth Dennison. And so, Beth, welcome to the program. Hi, Jonathan. It's great to be back with you today. Yeah, and so uh, we've had Mark and uh, or Beth and Mark, her husband, on the program before, and you guys have shared your story. Uh, it's a really amazing story of God's grace and redemption. Um, and as part of that birthed the ministry that you guys are doing now called There's Still Hope. And uh, before we dive into the topic we're going to talk about today, which is really talking about a, a wife's journey of what does it look like for her to heal and, and go through this process of dealing with sexual betrayal. Um, listeners, I wanted to share with you that we are a listener-supported program, and so the way that you're hearing us or seeing us is just through um, generous partners that have come alongside and decided to give to this ministry. If you'd like to learn about the ways that you can partner with us, just go to puresexradio.com and click on the donate button. So Beth, I, I, I want to just dive in because um, I, I really think you've, you've done some work in this area that I think has really been so uh, helpful and, and it's healing for wives. And you've actually now written a new workbook on this. And so why don't you share with us a little bit about uh, this work that you've been doing. And I also want to let the listeners know we're going to be doing a giveaway of this workbook. So we're going to get, uh, you, there'll be one lucky listener that gets to get a free copy of this workbook that we're going to be talking about today. And in order for you to be entered into that free drawing, it's real simple. Go to any one of our social media platforms, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, uh, and just say in the comments section of this broadcast, I want Beth's workbook or I want Beth's book. And then you'll be entered into the, uh, the drawing. But Beth, tell us uh, a little bit about this work and how, how you got to this point of, of wanting to produce this kind of a resource for wives out there. Well, thank you. I, I wrote this book. I never really intended to write a workbook, but just in my own recovery journey, um, trying to find resources and trying to find a plan to work through recovery. I had a difficult time doing that. Um, you know, I was blessed to be able to work through it, but it was a lot of hodgepodge, you know, work a little bit on this area and a little bit on that area. And so as we began working with um, people in their healing journey, there are a lot of uh, topics that really need to be addressed as you're working a healing journey. Um, and so I wanted to put together something that really dealt with each of those subjects. And so I wrote um, the 12-week partner recovery guide. This is it. Um, the 12-week partner recovery guide. It's a journey to healing from sexual betrayal. And I just um, did it in what I think is a user-friendly format. Um, I use this with groups and on my one-on-one -on -one coaching. Um, and we deal with 12 different topics, um, dealing from, you know, what is the trauma, what, what are trauma symptoms, um, dealing with triggers, developing a safety plan, what do you need when you've been um, hit with this uh, knowledge that you're married to someone who's dealing with sexual compulsion or addiction, um, and just working through boundaries on a lot of different topics. And it's, it's, divided up into um, five day worth of material where you read something, it's a short, it's easy to go through with assignments each day. 
So it's very practical, but also wanting, wanted something that was biblically based, but also combined the science of it with um, my own experience, but also biblical guidance as well and mm -hmm. practical tools. I think that's the big key is it has a lot of practical tools to incorporate into your recovery as you go through this journey. That's great. So let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, where do you feel like is the critical starting point for a wife? Because, you know, obviously you're going to be covering 12 different topics, but where do you want to start with a lady when she's recognized, oh my goodness, my, my world has come crashing down because now I've, the veil has been lifted. I know the truth of whatever the secrets have been and there's been porn, there's been some kind of sexual betrayal. When that kind of devastating impact happens to a lady, where is it so critical that she start in this journey towards healing? Well, this is very basic, but I tell you the biggest burden that I have is for this woman to recognize that she needs help. That is the biggest thing. It, it, we see so many um, recovery things for men, but if you look at the numbers of women that are attending support groups or any, getting any kind of assistance versus the men that are in them, there is a disproportionate number of men that are getting, in, getting help because their, their issue is obvious. They need help. But so often for the spouse, she either thinks um, it's his issue. If he gets his stuff figured out, then we're going to be okay. Mm. Not recognizing that her life has been turned upside down and she needs help too. It's interesting. Um, about a month ago, I had a, a kind of a freak accident. I was in the kitchen and I was trying to pry um, a little plastic lid off something and it wouldn't go. So I just grabbed a very sharp kitchen knife to help pry it open. And when I did that, it slipped and I stabbed myself Ouch. in the hand. Um, and I immediately knew that it was sharp and it went in deep mm. and, um, and I'm trying to not panic and think, what do I do here? So I'm running water over it as I'm trying to think, okay, what am I going to do? Um, it looks like it's really deep. So I run water over it and I just wrap it in paper towels. Long story short, I did this off. I did this for about five hours with my hand wrapped up and it continuing to bleed all because I did not want to take the time or spend the money to go get stitches and go take care of it. And, um, I tried to carry on like it was okay. And applying pressure, wrapping it up, I was able to apply pressure with one hand while I could did stuff with the other hand. And I went doing this for several hours. I actually had, a client Zoom appointment not long after that, still trying to get the bleeding stopped. So I'm thinking I have it stopped finally. It was about two hours later. I think I have the bleeding stopped. I'm on a Zoom call with the client and I look down and blood is running down my hand. And I'm like, oh, grabbing it. Five hours later, I'm finally getting the bleeding to stop. I probably needed stitches, but I didn't want to take the time to do it. So I got online and researched how to you know, doctor it so it doesn't get infected, how to put a butterfly thing on it. And God just gave me that wonderful illustration. <laughs> it, this is what happens to women who have been stabbed 
when, you know, through sexual addiction, through what's happened, they have been stabbed and they're dabbing at this, trying to get the bleeding, trying to go on with life. Like it's just going to stop on its own. It doesn't need attention. Mm -hmm. When the reality is they're bleeding out, they need help. They need to stop and attend to that. Um, And I just want to see women recognize that it's okay to know that your life is falling apart and you do need help. Mm -hmm. And I know that money is an issue. You know, you've got a, a spouse who they're, spending a lot of money on their own recovery, but it is worth your life uh, to get into this recovery. And, and fast forward, it's kind of funny. I took care of this. I never went and got stitches and I thought I did a really good job. And to this day, okay, it's about four or five weeks out. The outside of it looks really good. Unfortunately, I've discovered that I've apparently damaged a tendon down deep in the tissue because I have limited use of this finger, and if I barely bump it, I know it. Mm. Again, a perfect analogy of how even when things may start to appear better on the outside, there is some still deep wounding on the inside that needs to be addressed for you to heal properly. And that's the message I want these women to understand. You have been wounded deeply, and you need attention. You need healing or you're going to have ongoing issues if these aren't if these aren't addressed. You know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking about, um, you know, how this obviously affects a marriage, right? That there's all this discord and disharmony. And as you were saying that, I was realizing, you know, I think the thing that then prevents us from being able to care for one another well in our marriage is for that husband who is involved in these sexual behaviors, he's not able to love his wife because of his Mm self-centeredness. But then I'm hearing you say so many times, the wife then struggles to know how to love her husband because of self-denial. Like she's, she's, she's dismissing herself in many ways of trying to then say, and we see this a lot in our ministry too, where, there's these amazing women who, who yes, they're very, very angry with their husband, but they also love him and they want him to get help, but they're denying their own pain and their own hurt in order to try to help him. And in both cases, whether we're selfish or self-denying, we're not able to actually help the other person. We're not able to actually love well the other person. Right. What would you say to that in terms of why it's so important you know, and, and also whether or not the marriage is healed, but just why it's so important that that wife be willing to say, okay, I can't do this on my own. I can't, even if I do want to help my husband, I can't if I stay in this place of kind of denying the realities of my pain. Right. Well, it's, it's a great point. And I think, unfortunately, um, in the Christian community, it's especially an issue because we are taught to be selfless and to be giving and to deny ourselves. But, you know, Christ never wanted us to do that at the expense of being able you know, Jesus took the disciples away by themselves to regroup, to refresh. There are times we need to attend to ourselves because we don't have anything to give to the marriage or to anything else. If we aren't healed ourselves, we can't pour out what we don't have. And, um, it's basically like all of your resources 
have been bled dry, you know, mm -hmm. and you have nothing from which to give. You have to take the time to tend to yourself um, if for no other reason. So you can give again, but because you're, you're valued, you're special and unique to God and he wants that healing for your life. So for, for a wife out there that's hearing this and she's hearing these words and maybe she's struggling, maybe she accepts them like, okay, I, I, I do believe that God values me and my life matters. And so this pain is real. What would you say to that wife is a practical step for her to take toward that healing that she needs? Because it's one thing for her to kind of just hear it and go, okay, I'm going to kind of wrestle with these words in my mind of I'm valuable, I'm worth healing, I'm worth this process. What do I do next? You're like, what, what do I do to engage that? That's a great question. I'm glad you asked that. You know, I would suggest that they contact somebody who can guide them with this because it's one thing, you, like you said, to know you need help. When I stabbed my finger, I knew it was an issue and I knew I should probably attend to it. So what do I do? And this is what a lot of people do. We get on the internet and then we start <laughs> trying to doctor ourselves. We start trying to figure it out on our own. And, you know, we can have some success in that, but it really is best to contact someone who can help guide you through this recovery process. And that's exactly why I wrote the workbook, because it gives a guide for them, a practical step in moving forward with this healing. Some real step-by-step -step tools. So let's talk specifically about, because what I'm hearing from you is, is obviously self-care is a really important part of this process. Can you give us some examples of like, just what would that look like? And I'm not saying that, you know, I know there's always a foundation to being able to get to some of the practical pieces, but maybe just for a wife out there that's saying, I kind of just need a handlebar. Like what does self-care even look like in a woman who's dealing with sexual betrayal? You know, it's, it sounds so basic, but I love that God's word gives us a very practical example. In the case of the prophet Elijah, he, um, there was a period of in his, in his life when he was actually fleeing for his life because the king's wife, Jezebel, was wanting to kill him. And so he flees and he's running and he finds himself in a desert and he, um, he withdrew from everybody and he's in a desert time and he's going through depression. And you, as you read the passage, you see all of the typical signs of trauma in the prophet Elijah. And he isolates from everybody. He um, wants to sleep a lot. And um, God sends an angel of the Lord who wakes him up from this sleep in the desert. He's at a point where he basically wants to die. And the angel of the Lord wakes him up. And what does he do? He provides him food. He mm -hmm. said, here, take this and eat it. So Elijah eats it. He goes back to sleep. Wakes, you know, Angel wakes him up a little bit later, gives him more food, says, you need to eat more. I love that God chose to include that passage because it is very practical in terms of self-care. And the angel of the Lord even says to him, you need to eat or the journey ahead of you will be too much for you. So practical. Mm -hmm. I would say that to women who find themselves in the midst of this journey and quest for healing, that this is a long journey ahead of you. 
And if you do not take basic self-care, make sure you're eating, make sure you're sleeping, make sure you're um, taking that emotional refreshment, whatever that means for you, going for a walk, spending time in God's work, going to lunch with a friend, whatever it is that recharges your battery, that's important because you have a long road. I, I wish I could tell you that there's a quick way through this. That just wouldn't be honest. There's simply not. It is a long road and you will flame out if you are not taking care of your basic needs. I know for women, especially for moms who have kids at home, we can justify why we just don't have time for that. But my point to you is you won't make it through if you don't do that. Just the basic things. And let me just say to the repentant husbands out there who are listening, this is a huge way in which you can serve your wife in the healing that she needs is, hey, take the kids, do whatever's necessary to give her that space. Um, because in the same way that a husband is going to need a type of support from his wife in terms of the recovery journey he has, absolutely, the wife is going to need that kind of support. And, and can you speak a little bit into that in terms of how a wife can receive that maybe during a time? And understand, I'm going into a category here where we're talking about a situation where there's a repentant husband. So I want to be clear on that. If there's, if there's a marriage where there's a repentant husband and he's seeking to try to serve his wife, can you talk to the, from the wife's side of how to be able to receive that? Because I can imagine, I've heard it many, many times, there's so much pain, there's so much hurt, there's so much of a roller coaster that it can feel, um, she can feel like, is this for real? Is this manipulative? Is this trying to get into my good graces? Does he just want sex? Like, I mean, there's all kinds of questions. Right. How can this still be something that is, Oh, how a wife can still be getting self-care when a husband is actually wanting to help her kind of have that space to get that. Yeah. And that, and that can be a difficult thing because as you said, you know, the wife can be suspicious and thinking this isn't for real. Um, I would just say, take whatever assistance you can get <laughs> um, because you're going to need it. Um, forget what their motives may be. That's between them and God. And uh, you, you take whatever you can get. If, if, and the other thing I would say is really important is you've got to speak up. Mm -hmm. uh, so often through this journey, wives have lost their voice. Um, they've, they've time and time again voiced a concern and not had it validated. And so the result is so often they quit speaking up for what they're feeling or what they're thinking or what they need. In this situation, you have got to speak up and say, I need this time. I need you to take the kids. I need to get rid of some of these responsibilities. Whatever it is, speak up for what you need and take whatever assistance you can get and don't think about what their motives may or may not be. You need to focus on you right now and what you need. So, so we're talking about a lot about self-care and a lot of that does involve very tangible, very physical things that are important of you just taking care of your body. Um, can we, can we move a little bit into some of what the, what some of the emotional and spiritual healing looks like in terms of, okay, there's going to be a roller coaster, right? There's grief, there's anger, there's fear, there's all these kind of things. Can you talk a little bit about what's necessary to help a wife be able to move through that aspect of this journey of all of the emotion that's going to need to be processed. 
Well, first off is just recognizing that that roller coaster of emotions is completely natural. That is the response that we have to the trauma that is that we're going through. And so I think just normalizing that, uh, because it can feel like you're kind of a crazy person at times when, you know, one day you start out doing good and then in just a blink of an eye, you completely switch moods and you're instantly angry or instantly crying or, and it can feel like what is happening to me, I'm out of control. But to recognize that that is a normal response to what you're going through and to give yourself grace. Beyond that, I would say, the, the, I guess the human response so often is to isolate. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to deal with anything. It's too overwhelming. Um, healing really happens through connection. And so just as the addict needs a support and healing group, the spouse does it as well. And unfortunately, especially um, early in recovery, even if your spouse, even if the, the um, addict uh, is is working recovery, they are not probably going to be able to be the emotional um, and spiritual and mental support you need, mm-hmm. at least initially, even if they want to. Um, they have their own things that they're dealing with. It, it takes a while for their own brain to be reset. So you need that support. You need that connection with, um, it doesn't have to be everybody, but you need at least somebody that's a safe person that you connect with, um, you know, and also tending to your own spiritual. Yeah. You know, it makes me think of, uh, of Job and his three friends and as, as lousy of friends as they were, they were only lousy when they opened their mouth. Like at first they sat with him for seven days in total silence and dust and ashes. And that was probably the best thing they did for him. (laughs) was like, just to be there, you don't have to give any advice, you don't have to give any, you know, instruction, just, so you need some safe people that are, and I would say to those friends, to step into that place gently. It's not a place to go in with guns blazing of instruction and advice and all that. It's like, they need a shoulder, they need just the presence. Um, Because like you said, it can be, it can be doubly dangerous to isolate during that season, because then all of those um, uh, thoughts of, of doubt, all of those second guesses of your, your emotional, like, you know, uh, intuition, yes. they can just be magnified in isolation. Whereas if you can have some ladies around you that can say, I may not have anything to say right now, but I'm, I'm going to be here to hold you up. I'm going to be here to let you weep, whatever it needs to be. That's huge. I think for giving her that that foundation from which all the other kinds of things can be birthed. Right. And that's absolutely important. What else, what are some other things, uh, you know, obviously uh, dealing with the issue of forgiveness becomes a gigantic, can I say hurdle (laughs) in this process? Can you talk a little bit about that? I know that's an enormous topic. That's not something you can, you know, wrap up in three minutes, but it, can you share a little bit about what, what it looks like to even get to that point? Right. Um, I do address that in the book, but I will tell you it's one of the very last chapters. And the reason that is, it's so important for these wounded women to take the time to process all of this. Their lives have been torn upside down. They have been wounded beyond belief. Um, and that is a, that healing 
needs to take place before they start trying to forgive. And I think, unfortunately, in the Christian community, um, there's too often a push to forgive right away, um, and it does a disservice to the wounded party. And uh, it's funny because so so often, I, you know, uh, being in the church for years and years, so often they bring up the example of Joseph, whose brothers had thrown him, you know, you know, thrown him in a well and then sold him into slavery. And then they bring up how when the brothers come back, Joseph forgives them and the, the wonderful, powerful verse, what you meant for my harm, God meant for, you know, my good. Um, that is great. But what we don't remember in the story is Joseph's brothers didn't show up the next day. It's 20 years. <laughs> it was years later. Yeah. So God did a lot of work in Joseph's heart and his life for him to process all of that to get him to the point where it may have been that the whole reason it took 20 years is that's how long it took for Joseph to be at the point that he could have said that. And can I even say on that real quick, you mentioned yeah. earlier about a wife needs to remember she has a voice. Even in that story of Joseph, what happened when his brother showed up? He took them through a process of them recognizing yeah. how they had, they even said, oh my goodness, this thing that has happened to us because they put money back in their sacks and all this kind of stuff. This must be like repayment for what we did to our brother. Like he took them through a process of them seeing and going back to their sin. Right. And so I think, you know, that's, a, that's also a good part of that story for a wife to say, hey, this isn't about just if somebody is seeking forgiveness that then boom, it's just an immediate yeah. thing. Like, no, I have to recognize there's a process to all of this. Yeah. And working with women, one of the things that um, I have them do is, is write an impact letter, you know, write out what this has done to them what it's cost them, what they've lost, what they grieve, and share that with their husband, um, as difficult as that is, because one, they, through that, are processing all of this, and two, their spouse has to sit and listen to that, um, and, and that can be very difficult for the addict, because there's that shame anyway, and they, they just want to move on, they just want to go poof, be well, they want their wife healed, they don't want their wife healing, <laughs> mm -hmm. but they just want her to be okay, but they don't necessarily want to have to walk through the muck that it takes to get her there. Um, but that is such a critical process for her own healing is to have that from her spouse. And I think the irony for, for both spouses in this is recognizing that true intimacy in marriage is a journey, not a destination. So I think both of them, especially I think the husbands, because again, I think what porn and sex addiction teaches a husband is about immediate results and about conclusions and outcomes and just it's got to be a certain way. And, and recognizing that all of this is a process and actually the, the beautiful depths of real intimacy are found through the journey, not necessarily saying let's get to this point or this destination. But Beth, we are, we're almost out of time. We've got a few minutes left. I would love for you to just be able to provide whatever kind of word of encouragement you would want to give to these wives out there. And I know there's way more in the workbook to cover. And then just let the wives know, how can they get a hold of this workbook? Great. Well, what I would say is, um, if you are a wounded spouse, you are valuable and you are worth the healing journey. Mm -hmm. um, take the time, get the help. You are precious. And 
it may feel like your life is over, but your life is not over. God still has a plan. He is not up there going, oh no, what do I do now? The plan is wrecked. Um, he is perfectly capable of taking and redeeming the situation, bringing complete healing to you so you can go on and not just get back to what it was before. Unfortunately, that there were some unhealthy things there. You can be better and um, the marriage can be better and restored. Um, but regardless of what your spouse does, you want this healing so that you can go forth without carrying all this baggage into your future. You can walk free of that and complete healing can take place. You can have joy and peace and love again, uh, but it does take work, but you're worth it. So take that time, reach out for help, um, get the workbook, uh, contact me. I'd love to be able to help you as you walk through this journey. And folks can get the workbook at your website at there's still hope, uh, org or on Amazon. Is that correct? Right. You can get it at our website, there'sstillhope.org, um, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and I believe even Target, you can order it online. Great. And listeners, remember, we're doing a giveaway, too, for one book. So uh, go to any one of our social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and just in the comment section under this post, um, say, I want Beth's workbook, or I want Beth's book, and you'll be entered into the drawing for that uh, workbook. But Beth, thanks for, first of all, being uh willing to share your story and your journey and kind of the way God has, has uh, worked through you and then being able to put that, uh, what you've learned um, into a workbook and trying to help other women. So thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. It's my pleasure. And listeners, we're always glad that you're with us. We want to journey with you. So uh, please reach out to us at our website, puresexradio.com or on Twitter at puresexradio. Um, we love having you here and we look forward to seeing you back here again next week. Take care. Pure Sex Radio is paid for by Be Broken Ministries. Visit us online at puresexradio.com.